0: Welcome to the In the Clouds podcast. In the Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed and podcast hosts, Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Welcome to In The Clouds Podcast. We have a very, very special episode.
1: Super pertinent,
0: everybody. I mean, it's probably going to blow your mind. If you're not sitting down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd wear a helmet for this at least.
0: Have, have you ever been told something where you were standing up and you fell? No. Where, where does that come from? Why does someone say you got to sit down? I think that this. only happens in
1: the movies. I
0: think so. Too. Yeah.
1: The, the utter shock. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard of people claiming that. I've, I've never seen it in my
0: life. Well, today we wanted to walk through. I would laugh, if you just fell over right now. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to talk through some. We had a hard time naming this podcast, uh, or kind of the, the main subject of it. We we talked about like horror stories, tales from the crypt.
1: Yeah, it's it, the general concept is like what have we seen flop in the past, and this is you know mainly pertaining to Salesforce and Salesforce Marketing Cloud and you know marketing therein, but. But really, like, what are the lessons? What are, where have we seen some of the biggest failures, and where has that either turned into success, or what kind of lessons can we glean from that? I feel like there's, right. that's the value from, from the concept.
0: Because a big portion of, of the clients that we work with, uh, there's, they're kind of split into factions, but a, a pretty good sized faction are folks that have been using Salesforce Marketing Cloud for a long time. They were implemented uh, by another partner, or they tried to implement themselves, or they're just not seeing the ROI and the platform that they expect. And so from that, we have, you know, this plethora of stories of, you know, botched implementations or, you know, not even, I don't want to even say botched, it's just people did the best that they could at the time, but they didn't have the knowledge yeah. or expertise to kind of really know what they were doing.
1: I used to say this, and I, this isn't really, a, it wasn't a bash on lab at the time, but I would say almost like almost 50% of like the implementation work we were doing was cleaning up messes from like self implementations or like
0: yeah. other partners
1: that just didn't like either didn't look long enough down the, the roadmap of what they were looking to get out of uh, an ESP or, or Salesforce products or like misunderstood like the, how they wanted to use data or those, or, or the like, you know, general best practices. There was always something. And I, we've done a lot, we've gotten a lot in front of a lot of conversations. We do this a lot better now, but like we weren't, we weren't, you know, I think at the time when we were small, we just wouldn't have the uh, Lev's name out there as much. So we get to see a lot of mistakes yeah. and, you know, and, and kind of figuring out how to rectify that or, or how to either re-implement or correct something that's that's been, um, you know, kind of in you know, mislaunched, uh, either from a data model perspective or from a, a functionality and best practice perspective. So we've gotten to learn a lot as we going.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's been it's always interesting because, you know, you never really see the same, you might see the same concept that might be, you know, misconstrued or, or done incorrectly, but there's always, you know, different or unique problems. And I think when, one thing that we always think about is for the most part, whenever you're coming to Salesforce marketing cloud, whether you're migrating from an existing platform or just starting out your marketing automation from scratch is typically you don't want to lift and shift, right? You want to see and take mm-hmm. stock of what you have. And you want to make sure that you're thinking about the customer experience. You're thinking about the customer life cycle and making sure that you're pushing that forward and matching what that is to the new technology that you're implementing. Not just saying, this is what we had on X platform. Let's lift it and shift it over to marketing cloud.
1: Yeah. And lifted shift is the easiest way to coin it and the easiest way to think about it. And it's probably the most like backhanded approach that we can really take to it because like, I, I always take a step back from that point because lift and shift is, is the terminology used all the time. And I always kind of step back like, well, what are the original driving like pain points? What is this? Is it, is it just cost per platform? In which case, what are we coming from? And like if you're but the fact of the matter is, if you're migrating to Salesforce technologies, there's more at play. Like you're you're sure. coming onto Salesforce probably not because it's the cheapest product out there but, but because it's offering features and functionality that are better than what you have in current state it's so like how are you taking advantage of it? if you lift and shift you you just have you're just lifting the same problems right into the into a, you know in, into a, a new foundation hole here yeah so um I, the way i've i've kind of um thought about like some of the worst case i think the worst one i was involved uh with this is actually at, at salesforce um, and I want to say it was, it was entirely bad because it ended up being fantastic. Um, and they're, they're, they're a great customer, uh, still are, uh, they see a ton of success now, but, um, originally I was working with Einstein, uh, one of the Einstein teams on an, an implementation and it actually had gone wrong first, uh, before, before I, you know, before a, a new team kind of came in there and, uh, it was a, a large, uh, you know, a global sports merchandiser, a retailer. And they had, I think in general, when it comes to whether that's, um, you know, interaction studio or personalization builder, like we have the tendency to kind of like think about some use cases uh, in a a certain light, but then try to overcomplicate things. And so we had lots of uh, of business rules and things like that, uh, logic in place, because we wanted to make sure that like a fan of one team wasn't being just recommended popular items and so you know at the time I was working with these guys it was like you know if somebody is um a Colts fan and they've been looking at like Peyton Manning jerseys at the time I was was working you know coming into this project it was um you know Peyton Manning was was you know very popular for the Colts so if you're a Colts fan and you're looking through this merchandisers um site and you know you're looking at Colts and Peyton Manning things like that we don't also want to recommend Products or content um, that is just for being popular, and so you know, this like wisdom of the crowds would state that. Well, at the same time, Tom Brady's a really popular thing. Why would I recommend Tom Brady to a, a Colts fan or you know mm-hmm. a, a Peyton Manning fan, especially? So you know, we, we we had to build all these all this logic in, say like, oh wait, we want like rules around geo. Sometimes we want uh, logic built around like favorites and preferences that have to exclude others. And what we started doing was we were creating so many complex business rules and logic that we were eventually like breaking what could actually work and it was it's basically a basic concept of like data in and data out like your input is as good as your output and so when you're limiting everything um you know we were really kind of hampering what we could actually provide and so uh basically any intelligence any you know algorithm anything einstein is only as good as what you're bringing in and so by making all these complex rules we were actually limiting its capacity to function so we always used to say like you know the, the concept of like predictive intelligence at the time it's only as intelligent as you let it be or as you'd instruct it to be and so like we had to we had to come up with different ways to more naturally and cohesively allow these processes to pull in you know these concepts and dictate when is it okay to recommend wins in the crowd when do we have enough data and how do we you know eventually we got a plan in place to to um, iron some of this out and a lot of that came with like persona recognition and understanding like shopper types consideration and considerations um, and and who was actually buying and things like that. And so we were able to create rules that were more efficient and more effective by limiting the quantity. So it was just lower quantity, higher quality of rules. Um, and eventually this, you know, we did this to the point that uh, they went from a red account to uh, an actual like main stage story for customer success. So they were on the you oh, know, main nice. stage at, at Connections and you know, it, was, it was a highlight story. And, it was, you know, and, and since then they, they'd have a, had a fantastic time and started doing a lot of really cutting edge stuff. But that was just where if, if you're not looking far enough down the capabilities or putting yourselves in the if then scenarios of, of, if I'm making this rule, how can it break? Or who would this not apply to when I blanket this out? Like mm-hmm. you've got to kind of put yourself in those situations so that that was kind of the biggest flop for me.
0: The the one that comes to mind most for me is a, a large international music firm. And we're obviously protecting the names here. We're protecting the innocent by not not sharing the names. Yeah. But
1: Or because we were involved in those mistakes and I just don't want to make it that I, embarrassing.
0: I, I don't know what you're talking about, Cole. <laughs> I, I don't I don't recall that. But uh so with this, this large music firm, they had thousands of business units so the for those of you who are familiar with the enterprise shadow architecture within salesforce marketing cloud um, those business units are essentially sub accounts in an org structure type of scenario and every one of those different business units were artists or labels or groups and they're all managed by different teams And so it was really important that we got the data model right, and we we made sure that the data was siloed to those particular teams that were managing each of those different business units. And so just like we do now for GDPR and CCPA, we had to make sure that there was no way that someone from uh, band number one could see uh, the subscribers or any of the data from artist number one or artist number two, for example. And they were utilizing a central data warehouse. So we pumped all that data in uh, primarily to one parent business unit. And at the time, uh, I, I mean, uh, this team. (laughs) This guy I know.
1: Yeah. yeah. Boy, boy, is he a foul up. Friend of mine (laughs)
0: uh, decided um, that lists would be the right data model to utilize on Salesforce Marketing Cloud. How long ago was this? this was 9 years ago <laughs> and uh
1: so whenever you're on a a call with a customer or a prospect and you and you say don't use lists that's coming from like a really scarred yes. that's uh
0: <laughs> that uh that's one that'll stick with me forever, I think. Because
1: <laughs> trust me, trust me, do not use lists. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, and and for those of you who don't know, in in Salesforce Marketing oh. Cloud, there's two data models. There's lists and there's data extensions. Lists are um, very limiting in that it's very much a um, attribute-based data model. So it's very limiting as far as how many uh, fields or custom fields that you can create. It's limiting as far as how many subscribers that you can utilize. Because if you think about it in terms of SQL Server database it's one table so you can only make one table so wide and so long Before it starts to crap out on you, right? And so that's why data extensions are great because it's relational data model you do all these connections all these different data points, but So for some reason I thought and the reason why I still remember the reason why so at the time You could use what we're called (laughs) because you had to go to lunch. Yeah Yeah (laughs) We were going for pizza. <laughs> I didn't want my pizza to get cold. So uh, there was uh, there's a feature called subscriber filters. And what that allows you to do is hide the all subscribers list from every child business unit. And the subscriber filters utilize a, a field to, to d- denote which business unit they should be going in. So I could have a subscriber and I could say, I want this person in business unit one, two, and three, but not in four through 10. Well, that works great. If you've got five business units and 25,000 subscribers, but when you have a hundred million subscribers (laughs) and thousands of business units, it doesn't work super well. So long story short, we ended up at a fork in the road where we had to re-implement them on data extensions, um, the correct data model. If you get nothing else out of this podcast, never use lists ever. (laughs) And if you're on lists right now, call us, email us, (laughs) Get on data extensions or read up on them to make sure that you guys move over to that as quickly as possible. Lists are not compatible with any of the new features of Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Um, and so all of those reasons, it's not scalable, uh, data model is poo, all those things. <laughs> make sure you're over on data extensions. Yeah. And if, you, if you're if you listening to this because you're going to start implementing Marketing Cloud and someone says to you, well, let's just use lists. It'll be easier. Don't do it. It's
1: not worth <laughs> They are not your friends. <laughs> um, I got. I have a short one. Uh, thinking about like a customer, it sounds like a success story, but I, I still took like a lesson from it. So it's not really a, a complete like horror story. It's actually the opposite. They they did fantastically. They loved what they were doing. Um, but it was a it was a, a national tire manufacturer, a retailer that uh, saw a lot of success. And they started doing these uh, journeys that were, you know, with with what we had in place, and this was, you know, several years ago, what we had in place, we were trying to make as predictive of a journey as possible. And so customers would come in, uh, and as, as like the first measure, every agent would take uh, just a, a general measurement of their tires and see what the tread depth was. And at a certain tread depth, it becomes like, hey, you're getting probably pretty close to needing a tire rotation or like new tires, you know. With some new shoes on that whip, you know? Uh, but but at, at, at some point, it would be like, hey, we can't, uh, we can't, in your best interest, let you roll off this uh, out of this parking lot because this is just gonna blow it in a second. Mm-hmm. So, for your safety. Um, and they did a really good job, I think, of just training and, and, and education enablement around like what that means and why it's dangerous because it's just not a, a really um, commonsensically paid attention to type of variable that most drivers consider. Sure. in their every day to day, you know, day to day, transportation. So, um, but that was like the one data point that they were like religious about taking. And so they, they would always measure this, but it, they didn't really do anything with it. They just, they just sort. And so like we, we built a, uh, eventually get to the point where we built a, an integration, uh, just to pull in, um, that, that tread depth. And if it was at a certain threshold, then we, you know, we had, we had them drop into a journey and, uh, you know, we, 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 Spent some time, you're like maybe like, well, this probably needs to be like a four or five at this threshold, and then they need to be sent this. And we spent some time over engineering, and that's where the lesson comes in. It was they saw so much success, uh, and and attributable revenue was just off the charts uh, to to just this this journey alone. That we would send a trigger and say like, hey, your tr- your tread depth is now at, at this, or we would say, you know, if it was at a certain level, we would wait uh, a certain amount of time based on you know the the general concept of how much how many miles you put on and you know your tribe death is probably here and we would even show like a, a diagram of which tires were impacted or which ones were at risk you know uh and it was actually really cool and but like the, the revenue was off the charts they, they thought it was a huge success and so did we but i think reflecting back on it if we would have just baby stepped and said okay just do it without the diagram right now and just get something in there because that was you know looking back on it revenue that we weren't realizing at the time and that was you know non attributable revenue if we could have just seen. What that initial—that's—that's that's one of the points where we bring up pretty frequently—is analysis paralysis. We wanted so much, so you know, so far in advance that we weren't able to just put, put up the 1.0 version of that mm-hmm. journey or that concept. If We would have just launched something earlier on. They would have had six months more of that revenue stream just pouring in, and we could have just adapted, you know, optimized it as as we were learning more. Um, but you know, I, I think in that regard, we waited a little long. I, like I said, it turned out to be a huge success story. They loved it, but. Those are just that, that little gem of like, could we have just put something out early? And so that's my, that's my kind of seedling of knowledge here is if you can and, and, and have the ability right now or the you know, data integrations, whatever it is, the prerequisites established to just put something out, take the first step and just see while, the, while you're doing everything else, just see what's happening while you're developing everything else because you're going to have some learnings and you know, not to mention the, the you know, opportunity cost of not having that out.
0: So what I got from that story was you helped a large tire manufacturer make millions of dollars early in your career while I botched an implementation <laughs> early in my career. So thanks for putting the nail on that. Uh, I in. just want everybody to know. That <laughs> <laughs> one ah, of us yeah, uh, uh, makes <laughs> Uh Speaking of great, there's no segue here. Well,
1: I, I'm, I'm curious about this. We're, we're going to go ahead.
0: So completely unrelated, your go-to beverage. Now, I have a science to this. Because I'm
1: curious to hear because I, I don't, you're going to blindside me with this. I don't. I don't
0: have a go-to beverage. I have go-to beverages. Beverage eye. Yes. Oh, beverage eye. I like <laughs> that. Yeah. Let's make that a term. <laughs> so what I mean by that is just about every hour of the day, I have a different beverage for not only each day, but the time of year. Let me give you an example. This, right, right now. Do you do anything else? Late sp- <laughs> <That's> this podcast. <laughs> late spring, early summer. Starting off the day with a cup of warm coffee. So usually wake up early, have a cup of warm coffee, you know, do some things, and uh, then um, my wife and I have our morning time where uh we'll chat and we'll talk about the day ahead and you know anything else that we talk about. We do usually do that for about an hour. Um that's a cup of decaf coffee.
1: Okay? You gotta taper off that old caffeine there. Yeah, exactly. You can't get <laughs> you
0: can't get, you know, you can't get too excited there. Then after that I'll come inside and uh usually do some kind of, you know, activity, workout. And then after that, I will have uh, typically like some kind of a smoothie. And then once I sit down to work, I'll have another cup of caffeinated hot coffee, okay? And this is about, I don't know, we'll call this eight thirty nine 9 o'clock. So then as I get into my mid-morning, uh, I'll either have a homemade cappuccino or I'll have a uh, some kind of, carbonated beverage
1: now how are you deciding in in this type of moment uh-huh because it doesn't sound like there's a lot of subjective factors here this is talk about our processes of like test and optimize like this is clearly something you've been perfecting for years i can tell there's been a lot of thought process put into this and a lot of effort
0: i uh so i know
1: i know when you're like well, do i do this or go do, do a, a carbonated well, beverage i know you're not going to like what do i feel like there's there's a like Oh, what is the uh, season? What is the precipitation outside? <laughs> What's the barometric pressure?
0: Or what is dictating this? The, uh, well, the biggest thing for the first portion of the day is the coffee is the caffe- ca- caffeinated intake. However, it's also a comfort for me. Ca- coffee is by far my favorite drink. By far my favorite drink. You're very opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then uh, you're right. Over a number of years and processes and you know journeys, <laughs> I put myself down to figure out that this is these are the things that I need. So we'll fast forward a little bit because this is getting a little long-winded. But um, so usually around four or five, if I decide I'm going to have a uh, an adult beverage, I'll usually have uh, a vodka with some ice, straight out of the bottle, just a pull. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, if I'm uh, feeling up for it, afterwards I'll have a Michelob Ultra or two. Uh, not every night, of course. Um, but, uh, the other portion of this, that's very important is vacation beverages, vacation. And I'm talking beach beverages, because I feel Mm -hmm. like that's a whole different, whole different lifestyle. Right. So let me just play this day out for you. Okay. Joni, my wife and I get up, we walk, we have this morning walk. It's a two and a half mile walk to this coffee shop. We go there, we have iced coffee or warm coffee, just depending on the temperature outside. (laughs)
1: again you got to take in the objective measures yep
0: and then uh uh we'll we'll do the two and a half mile trek back and then that's usually about uh we'll we'll call it 11 o'clock we start the morning off with a monster Mm -hmm. and like a yeti make sure it's cold as we go out to the beach and then usually we'll come in for lunch that's where the fun stuff starts.
1: Caffeinated monsters, right? Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. Do they yes, have decaf
1: monsters? I don't know. I, mean, I I would imagine they do. Like the light stuff. I don't know, but you guys are getting jacked up.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of excitement in our household. So, uh so then after that is when the monster plus some kind of adult liquor enters ah, the picture. This is
1: the taper in, taper out. Yeah.
0: So usually, so last year it was the um If, for those of you familiar with monster, it's the white can. I think it's called ultra zero with coconut rum. Fantastic. Really, really good. Interesting. Uh, but I just found out and I told you about this earlier today, uh, shout out to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, uh, for Corona Limonas. (laughs) (laughs) So you drink the neck of a Corona, you still put the lime in it and then you put in a little bit of lemon rum, the, uh, Oh is it uh it's it's a Limon rum what what's that? i can't remember the brand bacardi bacardi yep yeah oh it's it's great it's great as you can so, tell so this is a loaded question this is
1: essentially well, if 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 listeners have learned anything it's test and optimize uh and that bobby's going to get cirrhosis of the liver within <laughs> the next 5 years
0: <laughs> or my heart's going to explode <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what about you
1: i was just going to go with like water <laughs> uh no i i you know I, I always have very simple pbr on deck you know, like pbr is a beer that you know if you have a terrible day at work have a pbr hey you've got a great day you got a promotion it's a have a pbr it is the, it's you know, the most versatile of beers I oh feel that's like.
0: fantastic have you ever had a hams uh
1: i i have when i used to make poor poor decisions <laughs> we <laughs> hams hams is what i would i would offer to somebody that i wanted to stop drinking here uh have a hams it'll be your last beer of the night
0: but how can you turn down a 30 pack for nine dollars that's just when you know something is <laughs> wrong
1: <laughs> you get what you pay for and for nine dollars you get a just a terrible hangover and regrettable choices and re-examining your life decisions
0: so for so your for your favorite like pop or soda oh. what, what do you say pop or soda I, I say coke
1: i'm like a kleenex you know like I just, I go, I've, I've always just, well, you want to have a Coke? That just means carbonated beverage.
0: I don't even at know Coke.
1: I don't even know you are. Is this is Are We just, the whole thing is just.
0: We're, we're putting it's, this It's, it's a place. It's a breakup, folks. This is the last episode. It's official. <laughs> Coke.
1: But my favorite Coke is Big Red. <laughs> <laughs> For
0: sure. First of all, it's pop. Child, it's a
1: childhood favorite.
0: It's, a, it's pop. That is controversial at best. And the correct answer is Mountain Dew Code Red. Uh, no we're definitely done that
1: doesn't even rank in like the top three red cokes
0: that'd be great <laughs> if it just flatlined from here
1: <laughs> i think we've effectively lost everyone thanks for stopping by everyone yeah. uh,
0: as always you can uh reach out to us at uh, in the clouds at love thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you soon
1: and if you don't ask questions this is the type of content you get <laughs>